0: Hi, welcome back to Love and Sheila, the podcast. It is a joy to be with you again today. Um, Let's get right into it. I recently took a field trip to go see Are You Their God? It's me, Margaret. And the reason I wanted to do this is because this was a book that I read back in my days at Monroe Junior High School in Englewood. And uh, it's by Judy Blume. And it was Like all the rage at the time, like all the girls wanted to check this book out and it was um, always like not available. So when you were able to get it, it was a great thing. It was quite a feat. And that's what I remember about it. Um, I remember back then we didn't buy books like, at least in the hood, we didn't buy books like I did with my son uh, taking him to Barnes & Noble all the time. We just checked it out at the library. So, um, when this movie came out, I was like, oh my gosh, I want to get in touch with my, you know, little Sheila and go see this movie because it was a fun part of my childhood. So, I told my mom that and I want, you know, I picked her up and we went to see it and um, I didn't recall really what the movie was, what the book was about. I just remember the, the famous scene, we must increase our bus. But outside of that, I couldn't recall what the story was about. Um, so, um, we went to the movie and I got to see it and revisit it and and I enjoyed it thoroughly. Um, I feel like it was for tweeners and saw and all, but I wanted, you know, to escape reality and the adulting that we do on a daily basis and just go see this movie and go back to 12 year old Sheila who enjoyed the book and I, 50 year old Sheila enjoyed the movie and, um, now I know, you know, I'm always looking for the theme of something now. And I'm always looking for plots. Um, So, you know, with her, I guess the moral of the story was, you know, she prayed throughout trying to find God. And, of course, he didn't answer instantaneously like a lot of us expect him to. And in the end, some of the things that she had been praying for finally came to pass. And so then she's kind of like, okay, God. And so what I thought was, okay, it's just, The lesson is just to be patient. It may not come necessarily when you want it, you know, but it's in due time. And so that was the message with Margaret. But I looked for a bigger theme or like a subplot and um, the movie took her to a different state actually and she had to restart. And so the mother also had to restart. She had been working in the city and now she decides that they're gonna move away, husband gets a new job. And she's going to stay home and be a stay-at-home mom and get involved in her daughter's school activities and do some decorating and just do all the things that maybe she didn't have time for previously. But now since she's not working, she can do it. So she's just jumping into the suburban mom lifestyle. And so, you know, she goes to the school and she volunteers to be on every committee possible, pretty much she gets rid of her furniture and she's going to buy new furniture and you know she's doing all these things and this is what we think the moms in the suburb do they don't work and they just they can volunteer and they can be homemakers and learn how to cook and all these things and i understand that because you know i was a suburban mom and i would be at the uh soccer practices and i realized i'm the only mom who has a job you know what i'm saying like and uh, yeah, I, I, I often fantasize about what it would be like not to work outside of the home and just concentrate on, on my son. But fortunately, I had a, a a job that was flexible and it allowed me to do a lot of things for him. But anyway, uh, I digressed for a moment. And so basically, she went through that and she did it and she was having trouble with the decorating. You know, her house was pretty much empty and I could relate to that because when we moved into both of our houses. I took my time to decorate it to find the right piece because I'd rather have what I really wanted than just have something filling up the space. And so that was an area where I was able to be patient. Um, And um, so she was just feeling pressure because when people came over, there's no furniture or whatever the case may be. So it doesn't look good when you're the suburban mom and you can't even furnish your house. But Nonetheless, you know, she continued and she volunteered and she did a great job at the things that she was doing. And then it came time to re-up for the next year when they're asking her to volunteer for things. And over this year, what she learned is I don't think that she really enjoyed it. You know, she had gone into the cookie cutter role of what a suburban mom is. They don't work and they take care of the home and they uh, volunteer at the school. But I think she found in the process that that doesn't work for her that's not what she wants to do so in the end you find that she goes back to work you know um, she is they ask her to re-up for the middle school to um, volunteer for all these different committees and she happily said no I don't want to and so it took her a year to settle in you know because I think a lot of times we just okay, this is what's expected and that's what we're going to do and we're going to do it great and we're going to jump right in. And then you realize I'm in it, but this is not what I like. And actually, maybe my former life, the life in the city uh, with my job and all that, I enjoyed it. And so when she was asked to re-up, she said no happily. And she's like, and thanks for asking or whatever, but she was comfortable saying no and comfortable doing what she wanted to do. And so that was the what my takeaway from the film just seeing the mom and seeing her, you know, evolve and 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 try to adjust and figure out what's right for her and 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 thankfully she did and she started to do her thing in within her family and she she basically had some boundaries. She wasn't going to spend all her time working for the school and doing all these things. So that's what I took away from Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret. Uh, a lot of a lot of different things, but mostly that it took me back to 90, the 1980s. What was it, 1982? When I was reading that book and just enjoying life and being a kid and dealing with the thing, the trivial things that a 12-year-old, 11-year-old has to deal with. So, um, thank you for making that movie. Judy Bloom, it's always good to uh, engage with her because. You know she's definitely a part of my childhood, so yeah, that was um it was great. It was just a nice little venture back to my childhood, and the next journey I'm going to take is a trip to the Shah and' going to Chicago actually tomorrow to see a loved one, and I'm just looking forward to the time there to the escape. I'm just going to really vacate again and try and free my mind and leave everything here in LA here in LA and go there and enjoy my time with my son not knowing when we'll be back in Chicago again um, just taking everything it has and and, uh, we're going to go to the Art Institute we haven't been there yet and hopefully I will be inspired Um, hopefully I can come back and share some things with you You know, I'm looking for inspiration everywhere, and I'm really trying to tune in and um, curate a life filled with artistic and um, innovative and new experiences, and just really be open-minded and to appreciate um, the different different aspects of art, because I feel like you know I really haven't in my life. I think I've really focused on being practical. And I've really um, not been in touch with my creative. So it's really nice to be at a point where you're just feeling, you're looking for inspiration in the world. And so um, I'm hoping that we get that in Chicago on our trip. Um, You know, just like I with Margaret, um, my trip to um, Chicago and even Dr. Cloud, uh, and this podcast, and you know, it's taking it's has given me time to smell the roses, to enjoy life, to see life through a fresh lens, through a different lens, through an open-minded lens, and it's really refreshing, and it's very um, enlightening, and it's 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 fun. It's it's challenging, but it's fun because you know, I remember last time I was in Chicago, we went to the Writers Museum. And I was, in, I was inspired, and I was saying, my God, I'm saying to my son, I said, um, you're setting such a great period in time where you can just take, you can immerse yourself, you can just learn as much as you want. You know, whereas I'm limited in, in my time because I have work to do and things that are established, there's things that require me, you know, to focus on it. But, you know, your, your time is really focused on learning. And this is, that's exciting. I wish that when I was that age, I thought of it like that, you know. Um, so that's where where I can appreciate. It. That's why I'm inspired by all of these things, and um, I'm interested to see where where this journey is taking me. It's 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 it's, it's it. <laughs> I can't even think of a word. It's exciting. It's invigorating. It's scary at times, but it's well worth it. I have to believe that, you know. I'm looking for the small things that enhance my world. It doesn't have to be huge. It's just the little things that um bring more enjoyment and enhance my, enhance my world. Um, you know, recognizing the things that don't work for me and adding some things that do work and even down to the small things, like um, you know, evaluating every everything like um since I've been doing the podcast, and I feel like I'm a little more visible. Like, okay, maybe a little more um, of the aesthetic is necessary. So, I was doing my nails and I was getting gel, so I would always have color. And one thing that I noticed was that my nails were breaking, cracking, and all this craziness. And they were, um, you know, at the end, they were covered up with this aesthetic of color that gives an illusion of beauty. However, they were really broken and really unhealthy, and so I decided we're gonna go get our manicure. We're not putting any gel. We're not even putting any color on there. We're going to get it healthy. We're gonna stop all that you know, processing, and we're gonna get healthy. So it was the same thing that I was experiencing with my hair, and I'm still working on that, but now it's like my nails. It's just like we're just peeling back every layer of this onion and yes it's making us you know cry at times it's making us uh feel like what the heck uh I told my friend the other day I was like I'll be darned it's like you you know it's just always want something new like just when you think you've got to the tip of the iceberg there's more and so anyway so now I'm like okay I'm gonna wear my little ugly nails that are all broken and cracked everywhere and I'm just gonna endure that ugly process until they get healthy you know give it a it won't take long, I'm sure, a couple months or whatever, but that's where I am in in life, you know, evaluating the beauty, looking for inspirations, um, cutting off things that are not valuable, and going through the process, you know, of enduring the things that may not be aesthetically pleasing to get to the better place, and so it starts, it starts with everything, it's unavoidable is what I'm learning is if you really try and do it it's holistic you know that's why I said top of your head to the sole of your feet every little thing working on the mind with the therapist I'm working on my nails with just yeah giving them a break hair with vitamins and um, different things different products and so forth trying and, and, and having to eat better and take better care of myself and evaluate my stress levels it's like So there's so many like internal jobs that I have to do. But most importantly, what I know is I'm worth it. You know, (laughs) I'm worth the work. It's not for, it's not for anybody. It's not for anybody but me. Nobody cares what my hair looks like. Nobody cares what my nails look like. You know, nobody cares what my skin looks like. But I care. It's all for me. And um, so I'm just. Good going through the process, you know, loving me and loving every aspect of me. Um just like God knows the number of hairs on my head, you know. I want to love the number of hairs on my head and the you know, um every little part about me, and I want to care for it, you know, not just love, say I love it, but love in action. And so, if I love myself, I'm actively caring for me. Okay, so that's what I'm doing. I'm, act- I'm trying to actively care for every aspect of my person. And so, that's part of this Love and Sheila journey. And so, um, recently got Hulu. And um, so, I was uh, on just trying to find, oh, can I watch? You know, what might I stumble across? And I saw a show called Unprisoned, and it's with Carrie Washington and Daryl Roy Lindell. And I thought, okay, why not? I'll watch this. Figure it's about a guy getting out of jail and the challenges that he has, you know, as he's being reintroduced to society. And yeah, it, yeah. So that's what I thought it was. And so I find out that uh, her character Paige is a th- marriage and family therapist. And um, she's dealing with abandonment. Her dad has pretty much been in jail all her life and she was raised by other people. So she's obviously got some resentment toward him. And so, yeah, I thought that would be the, the gist of the show. Um, so I'm watching it and she kind of narrates it. Uh, she starts off in the first episode and she talks about um, repetition compulsion. And so I guess the first episode was dealing with that. And what that is, is when we essentially reenact childhood traumas. It's just things that happen to us as a child. We continue to perpetuate those things so they continue to happen. And so um, that was what the theme of that particular show was. And interestingly, I, you know, I've talked to you about little Sheila and doing what little Sheila wants. In this show, there's a, a version of. Carrie's character, Paige, that's a child. She looks like she's about ten years old, and she's expressing her needs, or she's crying out, or she's expressing the exasperation that um, the character feels. So it's 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 interesting to see this played out because that's what I'm thinking. Like I have to be in touch with um, little Sheila, just knowing what Sheila wants and responding to her needs. And though it might seem asinine. You know, in the show, it even says everything comes from our childhood. And I absolutely believe that. Um, I absolutely believe that. And so whether it be good, bad, and different, it's just the way we manage things comes with the way we were raised and the environment we were brought up in. And so, you know, she was brought up feeling abandoned. And so she's dealing with those things and she has things put in place, I guess, to protect her, you know, rigid things to protect her. And, um, it, and I, again, I can relate because there are things that are put up, I've put up in my life to so-called protect me. Unfortunately, I don't know if they protected me, but I think they really desensitized me or anesthetized me, as I mentioned previously. But, you know, we don't, we don't know. We just do what we feel we have to do to survive. And, you know, so she's doing what she has to do to survive. And then she talks about attachment, um, uh, styles and I was again I was taking notes and she went over some and, uh, and the, one of them was um, avoidance avoidance um, attachment and I felt like that was me so yes I'm diagnosing myself within a uh, television show and that's just really when you don't you choose not to have emotions or emotionally attached to things you know or Disconnect from your emotions, and I felt like, yeah, I'm I'm guilty as charged, and so, and I shouldn't say guilty, um, because we're trying to get away from feeling guilt and shame and things like that, but just I, that has been an issue for me, but I don't think that is healthy. I think we should be in touch with our emotions. So again, as I extract you know, as I excavate this whole thing, I'm like, let's bring that to the surface because we're going to deal with everything. This is not going to be a superficial journey. This is going to be a journey where you just take it all up. And I I think about when I go and get a facial, the most important part for me in that facial is the extractions. Like dig out that stuff that I don't need in there. I'm not trying to apply, um, you know, uh, makeup or moisturize it on top of the blackheads and the the whatever foam that's in there get that stuff out you know I'm not trying to beautify it over I'm trying to clean it out and beautify and so likewise in life I'm not trying to make it beautiful on the outside I'm trying to clean it up and make it beautiful on the inside and out so with that comes some extractions with that comes some revelation of some things that I don't like things that I wish were not my story but they happen to be and so let's Let's take that with us and let's deal with it so we can address it and heal, you know, and and do the work for on that. So that's how I feel about the avoidance um, attachment style. So this is so I'm in here. She's got a teenage son. You know, I'm feeling a sense of community. I'm relating. I'm identifying with her. She's got a social media presence where she's talking about these things kind of like I'm talking about it. So. I'm really identifying with her. And I'm appreciating the vulnerability. Um, And I guess not the vulnerability that she is displaying. But just knowing that there are other women who are having some of the same struggles that I do. And that it's not uncommon. And that's why I do this. Because, you know, it won't be for everyone. But there are some women who are feeling the way that I have felt and are ready to address it to expose it because that's what i'm doing it's like an expose like i'm exposing oh you know um that i have some challenges internally that i need to deal with it's not i don't feel like they're external i feel like they're internal they all start here with me and just with the lack of um, loving me properly in the way that i should and so and that's why'm I'm, enjo- I'm enjoying this unprisoned and what I found is that it wasn't what I thought it was it wasn't that um, this man is you know reintroduced to society outside of the penitentiary and he's being unprisoned and it's really about her and her mind and the things that are going on in her inner child and letting it out and not just conforming to what you know this dignified woman should be and how she should behave, but actually letting some things penetrate her heart and maybe change a few things and become unprisoned and have better relationships, you know, and she's got the book smart, she's got the degree, she's the marriage and family therapist. You know, but her dad has this street smart and he's breaking some things down to her in new ways. And and it's kind of, and it's kind of accurate. So it's kind of showing that you got to have a little street smart as well as that book smart, you know, uh, book smarts in order to um, develop. So this might be one of my shows. I might really start to enjoy it. I'm not that far into it. That was the first episode. Um, We'll see where it goes from there. But I just kind of like the idea of Unprisoned, and I like the pun of it all to show that, you know, we can be prisoners in our mind just through a kind of stinking thinking, you know, so I'm here for it. I like where it's going thus far, and we'll see what happens next. And in conjunction with doing that, I'm still doing my Dr. Cloud, and right now we are working on codependence. Okay, yeah, and so, uh, Codependence, as it's been described to me, is pretty much when you feel the need to take responsibility for someone else. And so um, instead of recognizing that they're responsible for their feelings, whatever going on, you want to control it and you want to help it. you know, And so that's codependence. And um, so we, we've been talking about that. And one of the big issues with codependence is you want to be free you know, you want to be free from that responsibility. Imagine being responsible for yourself and others. Not even, I'm not talking about financial responsibility. I'm talking about emotional uh, responsibility. Um, So that's where codependence comes in. And again, it's another one of those ugly issues that Dr. Cloud is talking about in protecting yourself from um, toxic people that you know, I don't like it, but If I'm being honest, I'm sure I've had some areas of codependence, so I had to delve into this and like, okay, what's what's up? What we what what we gonna do, Dr. Cloud? And um, okay, and so the question that he had posed that he posed in this section was, who are you? Um, who are you? You know, what do you care about? And I recall, like a few years ago, I met a new friend, and we called each other pal. And I initially, I think it was about five years ago. She said, "What's your thing?" And I'm like, "What's my thing?" <laughs> um, mm, uh, I said something. I don't know what I said. I don't know. I didn't say much because, to this day, um, I probably can't say, you know, what's my thing. But basically, it's that was. I think that was. Who are you? Tell me about yourself. You know, because it's always, it's always. Oh, yeah, um, you know my son, my husband, my job, my this, whatever, but it's like, but what about you? What do you and then I struggle, from there, I struggle, um so pal, I think pal might be evolved because pal was that was like a part of our initial conversation when we were getting to know each other, and from there, you know, she says some good things to me, things that challenge me, and I guess it's good. To have friends who challenge you and to challenge your thought processes and to dig deep, you know. Um, but anyway, so I love Pal. I haven't talked to her in a minute, but I just recall as I was talking, I just recall her asking me that. And it all goes back to this. So who are you? What do you care about? And I noticed that a lot of my who are you's were revolve around people and my role in their life. I am a wife. I am a mother. I am a daughter. I am a sister. You know, but who am I? What makes me? What makes me tick? What do I care about? What drives me to get up in the morning? You know, uh, why do I do it all? Who am I? What can I live without? What part of me, I guess, is like essential defines me? And these are things I haven't really thought about in any in any detail. And so, um, that was not a question I felt comfortable to answer to be clear about, and so I thought of i recall and when I saw best man what twenty five years ago there was a quote when merch and candy met and and it was something like um, i 'll I'll actually have my producers put it up here for you i 'm going to butcher it real quick, but it was like if you don 't define yourself for yourself, then you will be crushed into something like being whatever you one wants you to be in Eaton Alive. Now, that is not verbatim. I and mean, we have it here. It's by old lore. And, um, and so I thought about that. And Dr. Cloud said it too. If you don't know who you are, then people are going to help you determine who you are and tell you who you are, what you should be doing. You'll be put into a vacuum where they just, t- you know, tell you, instruct you on who you are, what you should care about, what you should be doing. So you have to define it for yourself, okay? And and so, you know, when I heard that quote 25 years ago, whatever it was, it didn't mean much to me. It didn't resonate. But having lived a little bit more and having more relationships, I realized how significant and how true it is. And if you don't define yourself, you will be eaten alive and you will be screaming and fighting to be heard. And oftentimes, you know, Nowadays, we hear people say, I don't feel seen or I don't feel heard. And they're, you know, possibly because we're not defining ourselves. And it's hard to be heard when you're not really saying anything. Um, And maybe I'm putting too much responsibility on us. But I'm just saying, so it has to be clearly defined who you are. And so people can see you, you know, they may still try to gloss over it. But if you have it clearly defined, you're never going to, you're not going to let them make you who they want you to be. Um, You know, um, you will be who you are. And, you know, I even had that experience in parenting. There's some things that, you know, I happen to have, I think, a very gifted son with a lot of different talents. And there's some areas I wanted him to explore that he wasn't as interested in. And it became a time. Where I had to realize. He's his own individual. And he should live his life. The way he wants to live it. And pursue his dreams. And not my dreams for him. And so. That's just a revelation. You have to define yourself for yourself. Or you will be crushed and eaten alive. And you'll be living someone else's life. Okay. You'll be feeling like I said. Detached like everything was going on around you and you're not really playing an active role. So this just came illuminated to me in this last week when I, mean, I was doing the codependence study. And then I it took me to the Shakespeare, to thine own self be true. And it's absolutely true. I mean, you must know yourself and be true to whatever that is, you know, um, Whatever it is. And so I'm on a journey. <laughs> now I know, like, I need to clearly define who I am and what's my thing. And once I know that, then pursue the path that's right for me. So I'm going to work at defining that. And Dr. Cloud mentioned that um, the self is pretty much your mind, your soul. And your heart. Okay, well, we already talked about my heart and soul not quite being aligned. And when you put the mind in there, boy, oh, boy, boy, it's like a spirals. (laughs) So definitely want to work on aligning those and getting them under control and understanding who I am and developing it. Once I understand that develop it, like I've often heard the term self-development. But how can you develop the self when you don't know who... You are So first and foremost, I want to define what it is, who I am, what I'm about, what I care for, what makes me, me, what makes me Sheila unique. You know, I've often said, like, I don't want to be a robot. Um, you know, even in the course of employment, it's like, I don't want them to make me a little robot to do exactly. I want to do it what I'm supposed to do, but I want to do it with, the, with Sheila in mind, like do it my way. Um, I think we can get to the same result, but I can't. I don't want to function like a robot. And I think I professionally have um, resisted more than I have personally. So I think I've done a really good job professionally. Now I need to incorporate it personally. And so that's where, you know, the self development is coming in for me. So I'm going to work on that. I'm going to identify. It's going to be a journey. Maybe I'll write something down daily. You know about what I learned about myself. It's so funny because I would say this. I just realized after all these years, and I've done it for years, but I just realized I really love tacos. I, you know, I probably could eat them several times a week. I knew I liked them. <laughs> I really did. I knew I liked them, but I just felt like, I just kind of got that. I really, I really, 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 really like them. Um, so. It's, and it bothered me because I'm like, why did it take me all these years to realize that? I mean, it's no, it's no big deal. But why did not understand that? Why not just like, oh, you know, one thing I love is never something I claim. So that's just a sidebar. It's just bizarre to me. But anyway, I guess it depends on where you are in your life. Um, I'm now in a place where those quotes um, actually mean something. I've lived a little life. And they have more impact on me. At the time, maybe I thought merch and candy were just being corny. But maybe I realized they were trying to go somewhere. Maybe they, maybe they had been... Well, they're, they're, they're not real people. But, you know, maybe... But bottom line, you just have to identify yourself and not let others do it for you. Um, and some people cut, catch on to that earlier than others. And more power to those people. So I want to encourage you to embody that quote and reach for your best self. Because how, how can you live, as they say, your best life? Or I say be your best version of yourself if you don't know who you are. How can, how can you do that? So we can't be our best version. I can't be my best version of Sheila unless I know who Sheila is. And then I can, you know, uh, enhance her value. Okay, so that's, that's what I'm thinking of. That's, that's where I am with this. And I hope you all see. It's not, it's not rocket science. It's nothing new. It's just a, bringing in all these different resources to evaluate where we are in life and to make the adjustments where necessary. So I guess what I can say is know yourself. Okay? Identify it for yourself. Um, um, what do I care about? Dig in deep. You know, all these help you to be whole. And what we're looking for in our healing and our process and doing the work is to be whole, not to be broken. Um, I shared with you a couple episodes ago I had to admit to myself, I'm broken. And I didn't like it. And everything in my life wasn't broken. But there are areas where I was broken. And so now I'm working on the process of healing, um, and when I heal, the objective is to get to a place where I feel whole, where you no, know, I, I won't be saying I'm broken, you know, and um, so that's where I am, so the path, the goal is for wholeness, and how can I be whole if I don't even know who I am, what the, the parts are that complete me, so, you know, that's part of our wellness journey. I, you know, I'm realizing that all these things affect me, how I feel. You know, maybe it's you know my hair, my nails, um, whatever. I, I don't know relationships, um, physical uh, ability, all these different things, but they all affect how I feel. You know, bank account, whatever it is, they do. It's a whole approach to my happiness and my wholeness and my wellness and my peace and so that all goes together I can't skip one thing and I can't change the world I can't change my loved ones but I can change me okay I can be my best me I can love myself I can do the work and Hopefully uh, it impacts others and it enhances our relationships, um, brings life to our relationships, brings more love, brings more joy, but I can't have that without first being happy and good with me and that's what this Loving Sheila podcast is all about. Just loving Sheila and trying to dig deep and doing the work and excavating and extracting and not just massaging and placating and covering up, but going beneath the surface and dealing with what is real, dealing with what is real, and not being shy and not wanting to call not not wanting to call a spade a spade and being real. And honestly, digging deep and getting to the heart of the matter so that we can change things, that we can make ourselves better and improve our life and our feelings. And that's what it's all about. And I I think I have more to say on this, so there might be a part two. But for now, this is all. You know, I won't keep you forever. I thank you for watching. I thank you for going to Lone Wolf Bodywear and getting your Love and Me shirt for $10. Don't forget, podcast or Love and Sheila is the promo code. Go get it. Make the affirmation. I'm not going to belabor that. Um, But thank you for watching. Thank you for being with me. Don't forget to take care of yourself. Love yourself. Stay the course. It might get ugly from time to time. It might not, you know, the process is certainly a journey and there are going to be ups and there's going to be downs and there's going to be good days and bad days, but stay the course. You're on your way to a better life and loving yourself. You're on your way to curating the life that you want. All right, so I'll see you next time on Loving She With The Podcast. God bless.